And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. My internet issues are fixed. So normally on Tuesday mornings, I will record a podcast with Ben Standig. It is the Standig, what is it? The Standig Invitation? Is that what we're calling it? Ben, what, what did I call it? The Standig Reservation. There we go. Uh, now I got it. There you go. It's the Standig Reservation, but uh, I had internet issues. And now we're recording late and you know what? We're just, we're recording. We're good. We have a podcast and, uh, and you know what? Ben, if you want, you can tweet a clown meme at me if you <laughs> feel the need. Um, I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't really tweet clown me- memes. I don't deed in, I don't deed in deal in subliminals. I'm, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> Man, so we we had uh, one of the weirdest nights of the Wizards season last night, where Russell Westbrook breaks the all-time triple-double record. 182nd triple double of his career. And as I'm sitting there on the Zoom listening to Westbrook talk, Bradley Beal is going in on Kent Bazemore for making a joke about his injury. And it's just like, man, Wizards Twitter is is uh is a little out of control right now <laughs> right now. But I just we got we gotta talk Westbrook to start off because um it's an amazing record. Uh it's it's an incredible accomplishment. And obviously I've seen so many of those triple doubles. I covered him in Oklahoma city and then he decided to follow me to Washington and it's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Uh, you know, people talk about how everybody thought it was an unbreakable record for such a long time. So it's kind of an unoriginal point to make, but it is, it is really remarkable that he's just gonna it's not that he broke it like he's gonna shatter it he's getting more triple doubles now than he ever has he's gonna shatter that thing he's gonna be the when he retires he's gonna be the all-time triple double leader by a wide margin probably that's that's an amazing accomplishment now i know we can have all the conversations about stat padding and uncontested rebounds and whatever else i i don't really care in this moment to be honest like it is an incredible when you are able to do something when you compete against the best in the world in over a 13 year span you are able to do something that none of the other best in the world were able to do and that's amazing that's amazing i i think it's an incredible i think it's an incredible record i think it's unbelievable yeah i, I mean i i um I, I jumped into the Zooms uh, last night uh, just to sort of see what was happening, and then I felt compelled to ask Westbrook a question, and, and it was basically uh, – it wasn't like a brilliant question or anything, but it was just sort of what was on my mind, and that is like the, the, the stats in and of themselves, the you know uh, the, the, the points, the rebounds, and assists for any given game, obviously they're meaningful in that moment, and collectively they helped give him the record. But to me it's almost like what – 
like there's more to it than just that because, like you said, every player in the history of this game has played, you know, all the great ones have played you know, for years and years and years, and only Oscar Robertson had gotten to that point, and now only Westbrook is there, and he's going to blow by Oscar Robertson, a record that was considered to be impossible. And obviously I didn't see Oscar Robertson play, so I don't know exactly what was going on there. But in terms of Westbrook, it's the the relentless nature of his personality and the energy that he brings, not just every game, but like every minute of every game is what makes this possible. And that's the part that's like why he is such a unique player. He's not the best player of his era. He's, uh, you know, we can debate, you know, whether, whether you want, you know, he can be the best player on a title team and all that stuff. But in terms of just showing up night in and night out, like I, people know that like, I'm not always the biggest LeBron guy, but I've always said like, whether it's LeBron or Jordan or things like that, like some of these guys, what is lost in the discussion of them is that every game they play, and this guy takes it to an extreme level, and that's what stands out to me about this record. It's not even, like I said, the actual numbers per se. It's what it takes to actually put yourself in position to do it. It's just off the charts crazy. Yeah, it is. And and to me, it's to me, it's the rebounding. What's crazy? I mean, that's the wild part. And they're so the narrative isn't as there as it used to be, but you know, the narrative used to be in Oklahoma city. Well, Steven Adams just boxes out for him and he gets uncontested rebounds, right? That was, that was the thing. And, and, and I always thought that was overblown, even though, and I'm going to call up the numbers here really quick and we'll see them. Cause cleaning, cleaning the glass keeps track of how often players get rebounds off of free throws. And that was part of the big argument for Westbrook where, where Westbrook was grabbing a disproportionate amount of free throw rebounds, which is still very much the case. So I have him called up. So during his MVP season, he rebounded 62% of free, of free throw misses, which was in the 100th percentile, 62% of misses defensively. He was rebounding off of free throws. This year is at 53%. To put in perspective how high – 62% is the year before that 15, the 15, 16 season, he was at 20% and 20% was also the 100th percentile. So, so he's grabbing easy rebounds in that case. All of that said, you take those away. He's still a six, three point guard. Who's grabbing eight, nine rebounds a game. In this case, nine and a half rebounds a game. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Um, I'll give I'll give a little something away. I, I I am putting the finishing touches on a story as we record that's going to go up on Thursday morning on a big feature that I worked on 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 Russell sharing a bunch of anecdotes that I've I've heard about him over the years and in the course of reporting this story and and just kind of getting to know him as a competitor. And I spoke to Billy Donovan for that story. And one of the things Billy said to me, which I didn't use in the story because it really didn't handle the X's and O's and the caliber of player that he is as much of the type of competitor he is. But Billy said to me, he's the best loose ball guy I've ever seen uh, with just his energy, his speed and his reaction time in going after a ball, whether the second it trickles away from a player or the second it hits the rim. The other thing that he is absolutely incredible at, and and it's kind of I've always found it a really interesting juxtaposition with how he plays because he plays so chaotically, yet he is so meticulous in the way that he judges 
where misses are going to go. If you watch him, he's positioning himself. He can read off the fingertips of a shot, kind of like Rodman did. Zach Randolph, I've always said, is pretty amazing at this. He can read off the fingertips, right off the fingertips. All right, this shot is going to hit the rim there, and so it's going to ricochet there. And he's, you can tell he positions himself there like right away, and he's pretty remarkably gifted at that you really don't see guards who are able to do that the way that he is and his rebounding talent I mean I have said a gazillion times his best highlights are his rebounds those are his best highlights seeing him sky over Rudy Gobert for an insane rebounder that one that he got that uh you know Chase Hughes asked him about uh in the post game after the Indiana game a few days ago where he has three guys on him late and he's able to grab an offensive board and then hit a, a cutting Rui immediately after when he's got three big guys draped around him. Those those are his best highlights. Uh, I just I think the rebounding part is pretty amazing. He's second in the league in rebounding over this 26-game stretch where he has 22 triple-doubles. He's like a tenth of a point behind Clint Capella in rebounds per game. Averaging over 14 in a 26-game stretch, a 6-3 point guard. I just, I think it's, I think it's a pretty incredible accomplishment. I, I really do, and I, I understand and acknowledge a lot of the nuances that people talk about with him. But people don't talk about them in nuance. They don't. I'm ranting, Ben. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. You, you are. Can, can can I just say that like the only part of this like, you know. If somebody's going to break the scoring record of, of some sort, you, you, we, we understand that that is going to be they're going to actually score, right? They're going to put the ball through the basket. Ideally, it wouldn't be a free throw, but okay, even if it's that, that's, you know, at least something. Uh, an assist, you know, and maybe you think if it's a rebound, it's going to be some contested play in traffic. This was the most uh, low-key record-setting moment, like, ever, right? I mean, it was like, not contested. There weren't many people around. The ball just—you got—he's got a rebound, and that was it. Like it was very—it was very anticlimactic in the moment for what it was. That was the one part of the of that that I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer that it wasn't something more. Like like if, you know, if you had said like, what's the thing you want? I wouldn't have said a rebound would have been the thing unless it was in traffic or something. But you're right. You're totally right. It would have been when he broke the single season triple double record. Uh, when he had 42 of them in 17, it was on an assist with about four minutes left, When he, three minutes left maybe, when he was leading a comeback against Denver. You know what's crazy? Every one of these games is like, I mean, with the Wizards lately, every one of these games is a one-point game that comes down to the wire. And with Westbrook, all these historic triple-double games are all crazy finishes. I mean, when he breaks the record in 17, when he won the MVP, he hit a game-winning three. The Indiana game, he gets game-winning free throws, and then he gets the block at the buzzer with one, with no time left. Uh, you know, the the game last night, it's like, man, that shot goes down at the buzzer against Atlanta, and and he does it again. It's it's just crazy how, you know, there's some athletes who drama just kind of seems to find them, you know? And it, there always seems to be some kind of drama around him even stuff that like you know he's not rigging the game to make it a one-point game but it's like the basketball gods are just like nope drama drama for that guy always all the time you know 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, I do feel like he is somebody who seems to court that at least on 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 the basketball uh, hardwood. Uh, there's something there is something about him that that does uh, seem to draw a, a draw that. I mean, it's so funny, right? I mean, it goes to show how weird this season is that that they they so first of all they end up losing the game yesterday on what like they were already losing but like Westbrook takes arguably a rough shot we'll just say for the not down not one. arguably that was a bad shot I was trying to be nice as he's you know as we're celebrating him <laughs> yeah takes t- takes a poor shot he's had some over these last several games, he's had several late game scenarios where you're just going, oh boy, I don't know about that one. But that's part of the Russell Westbrook experience. They drop, they lose the game. They drop from ninth to tenth, which in and of itself sounds bizarre. Ninth to tenth, that's not even in the playoffs, but in this in this era, it's in the play-in thing. And yet, <laughs> like that, like all that was like secondary to uh, to Westbrook his accomplishment, which to a degree is accurate. Then there was the other things that were happening on social media uh, involving Bradley Beal. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think what's so interesting about Westbrook is every game is a Westbrook kind of a game, right? I mean, no matter what happens, he puts his signature on the game. Even other – plenty of superstar players will not – they'll they'll always have an impact because – even if the impact is they didn't do much, that's an impact because you're expecting them to do a lot. But with him, it is specifically to he's going to go hard at all times. He is going to do these things. And um, every game with him does feel like an experience because he brings you along for the ride. He is he is a real one, as, as the kids say. And uh, it's it's, you know, we sort of already talked about this. But, yeah, I mean, it's just quite remarkable how he goes about his business and um um. Yeah, it's it's great, and I will just say this: like you know, Ben, I, I'm I'm going to interject. I'm just going to say it's it's nothing that makes you sound more down with what the kids say than ending a sentence with "as the kids say." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, everybody's a kid to me these days. Um, <laughs> um, but like, you know, to to the point about like you're saying about how like all these Russell Westbrook games, these historic ones, there's like this big. You know, it comes to the end, and uh, you know he's. Some people court drama. I mean, I think. Look, what in terms of like the Wizards have been immensely more interesting the last few weeks than they were for most of the season, most of the last few seasons, right? Let's be real about that. I and I think Westbrook is a driving force behind that because the team is like I'm not saying individual players weren't trying to win games at any point, but there is a level of intensity and focus out there that is different right now than it has been historically. That seems to be totally because of Westbrook. And I think from that, when you're playing at that high level and the other team to some degree raises their game to match it is when you get these exciting games. I mean, yes, there can be flubs and mistakes, but just in general, like if you're forced to raise your game, then that leads to better games. And I think we're seeing that. And I think it's some part because He's raising not just the Wizards game, but maybe on some level the opponents because they recognize, well, man, if we're, we can't just come out here and give a sort of a half-ass effort, that guy over there is not – he's going to murder us if we don't. So we have to do more, and uh, it does seem to lead to these more exciting exciting games. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about the tone coming out of it, even though they lost and they dropped a tenth and all those things. And I mean, I think the greater context of the fact that they've been playing so well for six straight weeks and he's been playing so well for six straight weeks is really a driving force behind that, you know? I mean, I, I think... So they were 17 and 32. Let's say they never had this turnaround. They were 17 and 32. They are 15 and 5 in their last 20. And all of the losses are excusable. Four of those losses are either by one point or in overtime. And I believe they're all the good teams. It was Atlanta by one. It was Milwaukee by one. Uh, I'm forgetting another one-point loss. They lost to the Spurs in overtime on the second night of a back-to-back. And then they got killed, but it was in Phoenix on the second night of a back-to-back. I mean, those are fine losses. They have not that was had... Phoenix with, that was Phoenix without Beal, right? Right, exactly. They they haven't had in... in a, and the Atlanta losses is one to a team that's been surging, you know, on the road without Beal. I mean, they haven't had an inexcusable performance in, you know, since March, or I guess since the very beginning of April. They really haven't. It's been a really long time. It's been six weeks. So they're... You know, there's no bad taste in your mouth. Also, like, no Beal. They were down 19. They surged back. They fought. They competed. I didn't think they played poorly in that game at all. I thought they didn't have Bradley Beal. They played on the road, and Atlanta's a good team, and they lost by one. I didn't think they played badly in that game. And they've been playing well lately, and Westbrook's been playing well lately. If, if they were, they started 17-32. If they're 23-45 and 45 when Westbrook breaks the record... And it's just going through the motions. And Westbrook does it in a game where he has a mundane triple-double. You know, it's also that, like, it's not like the dude had a mundane triple-double. He had 28, 13, and 21. And it's the second time he's had, it's like his fifth straight game with 20 assists. He's averaging 18.8 assists in his last five games. It's obscene. Uh, but, but you know, the the overall vibes of what are going on there, I think they're just at the point of their run where the overall vibes of what is happening overshadow one loss, you know? And when you add in this dude just broke a record, which we both agree he he should be very proud of, I would have been really disappointed if he came into his post-game media session and was like, ah, nah, we lost. You know, that's the most important thing. This is terrible. I appreciated that he was like, no, I'm pat myself on the back a little back a little bit. Like it's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, you know, the the fact that uh, you know, we got to you know, he 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 ends up breaking it in that context. I think changes things than if they're 20 games sub 500 and he does it with the way he was playing early in the year and he shoots 5 for 19 and he has 10 points and 11 boards and 12 assists and they lose by 17 and it's their 12th loss in 15 games, you know, it's just, it's totally, it's a totally different scenario than what it could have been had the last six weeks not happened. Then it might've been awkward, you know, it was getting triple doubles in, in spite of the team. Uh, but that's, that's not the case They're He's leading them right now. I mean, he's, he's just been playing incredibly high caliber basketball and has been running the offense at, in a, at a tremendous rate really, uh, for, for a little while now. Right. If you flip the season, right? So the same, they're the same record, but you flip it. Westbrook's struggles. Westbrook starts strong, but now he's the struggling guy that we saw in the beginning of the year. That would be the more awkward phase because that's what we were all talking about. I was like, oh man, what's going on here? Is he hurt? Did he, 
you know, they run out of gas. Like, what's going on here? And, like, he's getting triple-doubles, but it's was like, eh, boy, this kind of feels like it's devaluing the triple-double because he's not playing well. The team's terrible, but he's getting a triple-double. Like, what does that even mean? But now it's different. Now he's getting the triple-double, and it is all of it is helping to fuel what's actually happening on the court. So it, it's it's not just stats for stats. There's, there's something um, – there's something behind it. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, you've you've gotten to experience this ride before uh, for the rest of us. Look, obviously, we've all been watching Russell Westbrook, but to do it, uh, you know, night in, night out, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it really is, um, you know, a, a sight, a sight to see. I was talking to somebody earlier and a, a friend earlier who's, you know, big into the Wizards. And he was like saying, look, um, you know, th- this team is probably not very good. Right. That, that overall, like, you know, we've seen what they are the last few years and it's not even just that they're winning more games. It's the way they're playing. And that is all about this guy. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a wrong statement. Bradley Beal has been the best player on the team this year. Um, we can debate who's the better overall player, I guess, if this is if the Westbrook we're seeing now is, sustain, you know, is, is the is the comparison point. Um, but there is another gear that Westbrook has again, more almost more on the intensity level than on the actual, does basketball skill level that it's just, it's, it's just, it's remarkable to watch. And by the way, to your point about how one law, like one game doesn't matter because it's what's happening. It's sort of how like I would feel like if it was the playoffs, like obviously you can't lose game six, game seven, but um, you know, look, you're not going to sweep everybody, you know, Jordan at his peak wasn't sweeping people. You're going to lose a game or two, but it's, it's, are you losing because, Hey, the other team's good too. Or are you losing? Cause you were showed up, uh, played poorly. The wizards haven't played poorly in, in weeks. <laughs> and that's why losing a game is not such a big deal. I mean, it's, you know, again, there's, there's, there's ramifications, but it's not like they came out and this got, I mean, it was one point they were down double digits and you thought, well, maybe this isn't going to be, going to be their night. There is no Beal would be sort of understandable. They've been on a great run. And even then, nope, they come all the way back, have a chance to win. And, you know, it's a testament to how they're playing as a group right now. And again, not to keep repeating myself, but Westbrook uh, is the straw that stirs the drink as the kids back 30 years ago said. I'll tell you what, a lot of people around the league have hit me up with texts over the last like two weeks, all of the same vibe, all of the same thing, just just all along the lines of like, man, this is this is the feel good story of the year. That's basically everything. Like the Wizards are the feel good story of the year. Everyone is, everyone, so many people around the league are talking about them. Of just like, I can't believe no one can believe that they did this. No one thought this is a true nobody believed in a story because. <laughs> Nobody believed in them. You didn't believe in them. I didn't believe in them. Nobody believed in them. I don't know anyone in the team who believed in them. I, I, don't, I don't even think they thought that this would happen. I mean, I think they thought they were better than their record. But when they're sitting there at 17 and 32, I don't think if you put any of them on truth serum that they're saying, yeah, we're going to win 15 out of 20. Maybe they're trying to have a strong finish to the season, but 15 out of 20 where they're, you know, the five losses are none of which are, you know, I listed them off, not bad losses. Nobody, nobody thought this was happening. Nobody believed in them to this degree. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's been kind of the talk of the league just for 20 games. This team is playing quite well. And 
Let's 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 talk wizards, like actual wizards, not Westbrook, for fifteen minutes. Because well, this- I mean, can, just 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 a, sorry, just to tack on to that point. I mean, again, as somebody who has lived here and lived through this entirety of the Wizards, I mean, we're, other than like the brief moments of the Gilbert Arenas era, and then to some degree when Wall and Beal were were doing their thing in the playoffs, it's not just that the Wizards haven't won big; they've been so ridiculously irrelevant, boring as hell. Nobody cared. Like, it's, it's been easy to pop off and make jokes about them because who who cares? Like, there's nobody to push back. That's what makes this so interesting is they're like the talk of the league in part because of Westbrook. Now, also, Beal has been very good and he was a talk of the league early on in the year, as we discussed on this podcast, you know, because of all the trade stuff and he was playing really well and he's still playing well. But like having Westbrook, it really is a different deal. It is a completely different level of I think you and I talked about this offline, a different level of celebrity that the Wizards have. And just like while we were sitting here. Like I see that like Rachel Nichols, it looks like the lead on the jump today was now granted, of course, she's going to talk about Westbrook, but it looks like she's talking about Westbrook and Beal and the wizard just broadly. That is different. Like you said, it's not like they're just, he got the triple double and they're just like, well, okay, he's playing out the string with this crappy team. No, like they're super interesting because he's super interesting. And that, and that for those of us who've been here for more than a, a long minute, it makes it super interesting. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Second nationally televised game, or second game flexed the national TV Wednesday against uh, Atlanta in like two weeks when they didn't have a nationally televised game all year. Uh, let's let's talk wizard stuff. Uh, are you concerned about Bradley Beal's hamstring injury? He has a left hamstring strain. The team is calling it. He has been ruled out already for Wednesday's game. He missed Monday's game. Uh, we don't we don't know. They've to so the Wizards have Friday against Cleveland, Sunday against Charlotte, and that's it. That's that's the season. Then we're getting then we're getting into things. Then then your and my life becomes hectic as hell because then then's the play in tournament. And if they win one of the two spots in that thing, then you got playoffs right after that. So play in tournament is the eighteenth to the twenty first. Um are you concerned about Beal's hamstring? Do you feel like we know enough to know if we should be concerned? Well, I mean, if I say I'm concerned, let, let you know, I, I don't have any information beyond whatever we're saying. So it's just pure speculation. Yeah, I'm concerned. I, I mean, you know, these injuries can, you know, uh, can take a minute. If, if this was in the middle of the season, right? I mean, I, I don't know what, what my expectations would be, but I wouldn't I would probably guess in my head more than two games. Right. I mean, just in general, I mean, it's hard. Again, it's hard. It's hard to know. But like, you know, with what he has to do out on the court. A hamstring is kind of important. I don't know. Call me crazy. Um, 
but there is not much time here to work with. I mean, they're in a pretty good position for the playing game, but you know, I would just say that you know Bradley Beal is going to try to probably push this to come back. I don't always know that the Wizards seem to be historically willing to tell their stars no. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious to know, like, to what degree this is bad. He's going to, I mean, look, he's got a lot going on here. The team is trying to not just make the playoffs or make the playing game, but there are, they are, you know, if they, if they could somehow get to the AT, I don't know how realistic that is now, but if they could do that, then that changes, you know, they only have to win one game to make the playoffs instead of having to win multiple games. And they'll is the scoring title, obviously, that that's in play. And Steph Curry presumably is not going to roll out a bunch of, like, 14-point performances, so Beal's going to have to score, but you can't, you know, breaking news, you can't score if you don't play. Um, so there's a lot going on for him, but at the same point, their bigger picture, you, you know, if they're going to be in whatever this play-in situation is going to be, you need him out, on the, out of the court. You can make the argument, shouldn't play it all the rest of the way if it's even debatable, and just get ready for that. Uh so um, I'm a, I, I am a little concerned just based on my <clears throat> very general sense of the situation, but you know we'll just have to see what he can <clears throat> what, you know what he can do. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page as you. The problem is hamstring injuries tend to linger. Beal is also really obsessed with never wanting to miss games. I mean, he's he is really competitive and really tough when it comes to that and really prideful about being a guy who doesn't miss games. I think missing games early in his career had like a a real impact on him as somebody who, you know, he's a really competitive guy. I think it had a real impact on him as somebody, okay, I'm going to show everybody. I'm not injury prone. And not only am I not injury prone, I'm a damn Iron Man, you know? And so then he had that consecutive game streak where for a few years he played all 82 games. Uh, and then really he, he he's he's pretty healthy as a player and uh, I think he takes a lot of pride in wanting to come back for random February games against the Pistons so I feel like he is definitely going to feel that way you know that series that season finale against Charlotte that could have implications I mean here's here's let's uh let's see this here is Charlotte's schedule to close the year they got four games left the Wizards have three so the Wizards play at Atlanta on Wednesday Home for Cleveland Friday, and then home for Charlotte on Sunday. And here's Charlotte. Charlotte is home for Denver on Tuesday. By the time this podcast posts, that game might have already played. Uh, Home for the Clippers on Thursday. Uh, Then they're at the Knicks on Saturday. And then they're at the Wizards on the second night of a back-to-back to close the season. That is tough. That's that's four teams playing three teams that are legitimately good to great teams. And then the Wizards have a chance to beat them at their own place when the Hornets are on the second night of a back to back. I mean, that that could really be tough for them. Now, the Hornets have the tiebreaker and they're one game up right now on the Wizards for uh, for, you know, eighth. So so they're going to have to play their part. But it's possible I mean, they're not going to be the favorite in any of those three games. So, or any of those three games leading up to the Wizards game, I should say. Uh, The Wizards, that game could matter. And if that matters, like, man, I Bradley Beal, if he's too injured, he won't play. But he is going to be itching to play in that game. 
There is no question because I think Brad is itching to play no matter who the opponent is, no matter what the circumstances are. If the Wizards have a game, he is itching to play in it. And under those circumstances, or, you know, if he misses these next three games and then he, you know, has a potential to come back for a play-in game, he is going to be itching to play in those for sure. No question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that's the thing. He's going to be, you know, uh, you know, we didn't even mention again, just in terms of the personal stuff. You know, there is the All NBA um, scenario, and um, you know, look, he certainly, look, the resume is not going to change that much over the next couple of days. I'll accept that people will look at it differently if the Wizards actually made the eighth seed or something, right? Um, the right, I mean, the the voting is is before the playing game, right? That counts as the postseason, I assume. Yeah, I've got my ballot. The voting, yeah, the voting counts as the postseason, so it doesn't count as the playoffs, but it counts as the postseason. It's its own entity. Right. the The voting is due on Monday, May seventeenth, and the playoff, the playing tournament begins on the eighteenth. Right. So, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, there is a difference between if the Wizards are you know, eight versus 10, regardless of the matter. So, you know, there's also, there's, there's some of that stuff. Again, I, I don't, I, I'm sure Brad would certainly never admit to any of that. I mean, realistically, he obviously cares. I think we all can, we, we all, we all remember last year, but uh, yeah, so there is a lot in play, but yeah, hopefully look again, there's the bigger picture, not even so much worrying about becoming some, you know, long-term issue, but just in terms of the short term, they put themselves in this position to be in this playing tournament if you know you're going to go for it, you might as well go for it. You need him out on the court to get this done. And I think that I mean the other part is it's not just we're not just talking puncher's chance. Based on the fact that of the four teams are Boston, Charlotte, Indiana, and the Wizards, I'm not sure where we're at with Miles Turner's injury, but he's been out. Jalen Brown is now out for the season for Boston. Charlotte's currently missing Gordon Haywood, right? So I don't, I don't know what his schedule is. Um, yeah, Charlotte has Bridges out right now. He's in the protocols. Yeah. Right. So I'm just saying, like, so if the Wizards actually get in that, I mean, you could easily make the case they're the team to beat. Again, you know, obviously it's a little bit different. The 7-8 only have to win the one game and blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying, like, the, the, the Wizards are the team that the other seven teams don't want in, I would think. But that's because you have Bradley Beal. So it's not like that's why I think it's, you know, paramount to make sure he's healthy as possible for that. It's not like, you know, they make the eight seed or the ten, whatever. I mean, that's not mat- that it matters, but not uh, not as much. They're, they're, they've played very well. They're the team you don't want to face. I'm not saying they couldn't lose to any of these other opponents, of course. Uh, but uh, the, you know, the, 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 this isn't just about sneaking in. This is about actually succeeding once you're there, and they actually could do it if he's helping. Yeah, I mean, not only could they do it, I mean, I think they should do it. I'll I'll tell you what. You want to go with the most classic playoff game analysis that you can possibly go with. I mean, you you match them up with Charlotte or you match them up with Indiana. They have the two best players in that game. They have the two best players in a game against either of those two teams. And if you match them up with Boston, with Jalen Brown now out for the year, they have two of the three best players in that game. With Jason Tatum, obviously. I mean, that they they should be able to find a way to get in there. If they end up playing, you know, they play they get the ninth they get ninth place, let's say. They play Indiana in a home game in in the first play in. 
and then they play the loser of Charlotte in Boston, let's say it's Charlotte, they should be able to do it. I think they would be disappointed if they didn't find a way to get in there. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, the way that the, the way that they're playing competent defense, the way that Gafford has helped them, some of the role players stepping up lately, they 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 should be. And, and I do feel like this year, with this year just being as weird as it is, like I'm I'm more inclined to pick the hot team than I am in other seasons. You know, this feels like more of a they're coming together situation than they're unsustainably hot. Like I don't think they're a 750 team, but I think they're probably a good team. And I mean, Indiana is going the exact opposite direction. I don't trust Indiana with what's going on there, with what's going on in their locker room, with the way that they're trending. I don't trust them. So, yeah, I mean, they they should. I'm not saying they will. It's a crapshoot. It's one game. Who the hell knows? I'm just saying they should. If they don't, they'll be disappointed. They'll, they'll be saying we should have. Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, like, you know, it, 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 look, obviously we've, we've been trying to figure this out for the, for the last few weeks. I'm sure if you go back and listen to all the podcasts we've done during the streak, it's some sort of like, wait, what's happening here kind of vibe. Um, and now it's led to this. This is, you know, this is real. That's what makes the Beal injury. It's never a good time to have an injury, but it makes what now so you know sort of frustrating. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's not just Beal's injury. They've had a bunch of guys who've been in and out of the lineup. They lose Denny. For the season, Rui's been in and out. He's back now, and um, you know, um, and so on and so on. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look, for, forget everything else. This team was just a complete miserable watch. It was. I, I I don't even know how anybody was listening to us drone on about them for most of the year, other than you just wanted to hear us say Beal's going to get traded or not. And now to to it's not even that they're winning. That's whatever. That they're just like they are one of the most entertaining teams going. It is. That 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 that's the part to me that is different. You can't just easily you can sort of get hot and win some games, but to do it in a way that is beyond entertaining uh, is really that's the part to me that I just find uh, so incredible. So yeah, I agree. If they at this point they're here, you got to you know I mean not that they weren't going to try anyway, but it would be more disappointing I think at this point than if they just sort of limped into the ten seed. Um, they are you know they're there. They have a real chance to be interesting. I'm, I'm not saying they would beat any of the teams in the first round, of course for all the obvious reasons, but yeah, let's see it. <laughs> let, 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 let's see what happens. Nobody's been hotter than the Wizards basically for three or four weeks now, so let's see what happens. All right, give me an interesting Wizards observation that you have. Um, Interesting Wizards observation. Um... I don't know. I guess uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I honestly don't think I have one. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I guess like we've talked about nobody. I love putting you on the spot. I really enjoy it. Well, look, you know, I don't know if the have... listeners have realized that it's become an episodely thing where I just put you on the spot with something that I clearly didn't tell you to prepare for, and I enjoy listening to you scramble. I, I it genuinely brings me joy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you uh, vamping there, so you could let me think of something which I didn't do. Um, you know, I, we we basically didn't talk about anybody other than than than, than those than those two dudes. And there's uh, something to that. I, I I again, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast or if I've said this to you. So if I'm repeating myself, uh, uh, apologies. But like, 
you know, it's one thing to to play with an alpha like Russell Westbrook. Not it's not for everybody, right? I mean, clearly, uh, and I'm not even talking about whether you know he and Durant had issues. I just mean like in terms of just people, human beings. Like some people will will rise under that, and some people will shrink under that. And what's interesting about the Wizards on some level is all their guys right now that are in the main rotation all seem to be able to play up to his level. I'm not saying get to his level, but like they're all able to raise their game from like a personality perspective. They seem to be thriving under this. And that's not, you know, the Wizards have had a bunch of changes, obviously, with their rotation and their lineup and the roster and these things. And, you know, they're, they're in this situation right now where, you know, again, it's not like, I mean, Russell Westbrook's putting up insane numbers, but he can't, you know, he can't get the assist if the other guys aren't making shots. You can't just double team Russell Westbrook all the time if the other guys are going to be, um, making you know burning you by doing so and uh, it's just interesting to see this team like i go back to what i said earlier in the year i know that they had all the various issues from the covid to the injuries to whatever but part of my frustration was there's more here than we see and yes westbrook not being healthy was part of that but it was there was more out of these guys and i think people wanted to believe um and now i think we're seeing that that's the case that there really is more here and part of that is a lot of these guys um you know, do have that right personality. I mean, look, we've talked about they screwed up with Troy Brown. He doesn't he didn't really have that. He has a different personality, we'll just say. I'm not saying he couldn't be, be playing well in this group, but he has a different type of personality. And the group that they have now, I think, is more of that like alpha group, very confident, Garrison Matthews, guys like that. And um, you know, I think that's really interesting to see it uh, you know, blossom with a guy like Westbrook, you know, at the top. What an incredible transition. Here's my interesting thing. Oh, boy. We were wrong. They didn't screw up on Troy Brown. I mean, the process was was screwed up in terms of not giving him playing time and letting him see, and he's been pretty solid in Chicago. But if the yeah, returns continue to be... Like, they didn't know what to do with him. Right. No, but if the returns continue to be what they are, I mean, we're going to be talking about this Daniel Gafford trade for a little while. I mean... Daniel Gafford now has, after the last few games, has catapulted. He now leads the team in point differential per 100 possessions. So if you take out garbage time, you take out all the all the minutes that, that don't matter because he's playing in a blowout and it doesn't matter. The Wizards are 8.6 points per 100 possessions better when Gafford's on the floor. That's a huge difference. It's a massive difference. It's the difference between being an upper echelon elite team and being average. Uh, you know, that, that is, that is really the difference that, that Gafford's presence has been bringing them according to that metric. And that's not everything, but, but the reason I mention that is because I, I think the wizards see they're better when Gafford's on the floor. And what's so weird about the three center lineup, and it's always been weird, and it's been different variations of weird. It's been funny weird and quirky weird and kind of working weird and all these different variations of weird throughout the year, but always weird because a three center rotation is just weird. And it, the newest iteration of weird that has come with it is that, you know, they, they play these guys in, in, you know, six, seven minute bursts for the most part. And they start with Len, and and then sometimes they go Gafford, sometimes they go Lopez second, usually Lopez. And lately, they've just kind of made Gafford the closer pretty consistently. And it used to be whoever's playing the best is going to close, and it was pretty evenly distributed. Maybe Len got the short end of the stick a little more often. But for the most part, there would be nights when Len closed. 
There were nights when Lopez closed, and it's not Gafford all the time now, but it's been disproportionately more Gafford. And what's weird to me is that his minutes aren't changing. So it's like they, they're closing with him. They're acknowledging that's kind of a acknowledgement without acknowledging that Gafford is the best guy for this. And yet they're not ratcheting up minutes. And I'm, I don't know, man, like you're going to get to a playoff series and you're going to need him. You're going to need his help. And he has never consistently played above 20 minutes a game in the NBA because in Chicago, he had trouble with foul trouble and he just didn't really stay on the floor. They didn't play him a ton. And he hasn't consistently played over 20 minutes with the Wizards. And you get to a playoff series. And if you need to play him 22 minutes a game, it's just going to be a different and more uncomfortable experience for him. And I thought they were going to start ratcheting him up at some point. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And it might be fine. They might just decide in a playoff series, all right, you know what, we got to play Gafford 23 minutes and or 25 minutes or whatever because of the matchups, and it might be fine. He might just be the same guy for 25 minutes and be totally fine, and it might it's that's completely possible. Or it might not go great because he hasn't played 25 minutes a game consistently in a series, or he, you know, it might be a bad matchup for him and he might end up losing minutes throughout a series anyway. I, I, I just, I guess I'm surprised that they're kind of making this, this faint acknowledgement that he is their best guy there while also not upping the minutes. You know, it's, it's a, it's an, it's a strange juxtaposition. Right. I mean, look, can you imagine it considering how well he's played? If I told you that he would play 11 minutes fewer than Chandler Hutchinson, Hutchinson, but that just happened last night. Um, and, and Hutchinson played more, I guess, because Garrison Matthews was uh, started, but didn't play. He only played 13 minutes, obviously no Beal. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super weird. I mean, look, I, last night, I guess is a good example, right? Robin Lopez gets 18 points. He doesn't even start either. Alex Len is still in that role. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, we've talked about this before. I think the thing that still is odd to me is if I tell you right now it's the playing game, whatever seed they are, what's the rotation? I, who, who's starting? <laughs> I mean, the guy who starts probably is the one who gets bumped. But then what? Like my concern with Gafford starting is, you know, is he does he get pick up foul trouble? Um, right away, do you, I kind of like bringing his energy off the bench, but Robin Lopez starting, you know, what is, you know, is that, is that the better way? To, I, I don't know. It's a weird, that, 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 that part is, is weird. And obviously you can't play any two of them together really. So you can't like figure out extra minutes that way. Plus, you know, you got Hachimura and Bertans, you, you got to keep on the court more or less. So yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, you're right. At some point here, they're going to have to make a call. I guess one thing I would be curious is if, like, they decide that Beal, like, to shut Beal down more or less for the rest of the way. And, look, they have to still qualify for the playoffs. They're not there yet, but, you know, it, it, things are in their favor. You know, do they, at that at that point, use the remaining games to, on some level, tinker with some things? Try to do what you're, what you're talking about, you know, going to a two-man rotation and starting somebody instead of Len, or maybe Len's in the rotation, I, I would imagine, no. But, uh you know, maybe there's an opportunity there, but look, I guess, and you know, we, we've been, I've been relentlessly positive. I've been the Russell Westbrook of positivity on this podcast, but like Scott Brooks's rotations drive me insane for five years. So why should this be any different? 
anything to plug before we wrap on this one? Uh, standing room only podcast. I talked to uh, Jason Lock and Four from CBS Sports today about a bunch of Washington things, and also had a, the uh, offensive coordinator from North Carolina to talk about Deami Brown, their third round pick, who's kind of an interesting wide receiver. And I write things on the Athletic. If you subscribe for Fred, they just throw me in for free. There you go. And if you want to subscribe, so I've got that feature coming out uh, about Westbrook on Thursday. If you want to subscribe, you can you can click on that when I tweet it out or share it on social media, and you can subscribe off of there. Or if you want, you can subscribe for three ninety nine a month if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Three ninety nine a month and like Ben so wonderfully said, you can get a full subscription. It gets all of Ben's work, all of my work, everything non-Wizards, meaning every, you know, not just NBA, but but every league. You get your MLB and your WNBA and your and your NBA and your and you know, whatever else, whatever other leagues I forgot. That that's there. NHL, whatever else. You get everything. Premier League. We have amazing Premier League coverage. I know nothing about soccer, but. Every single person who follows soccer tells me that our best coverage that we have is Premier League. So if you're a huge soccer fan, theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark for $3.99 a month will get you the best Premier League coverage. So every single, I'm not kidding, every single person who I know who is a soccer fan and subscribes is like, oh, your guy's Premier League coverage is the greatest thing ever. That is what everybody says. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark for $3.99 a month. Sign up there. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. If you really love the podcast, you can go on iTunes. You can leave a, a written review or give us five stars. The written reviews are always super helpful. The five stars are also wonderful as well. Uh, I'll be back with a new episode. I, I guess I got to do one later this week. We're ramping up and we got playoff stuff. It'll be either be later this week or over the weekend. And then next week, uh, I'm going to do a major play, play in stuff and we're going crazy. Also, play in, I'm going to go back to the old format. I'm going to do some post game. I'm going to post game podcast during the play in tournament. So you're going to get you're going to get some play in stuff. And if we go to the postseason, I'm going to do post post game shows as well after every single game. So get ready. We got a lot of stuff. It's going to be fun. We just have to get there first, of course. But uh, continue listening. I'll be back whenever later this week, this weekend, sometime, whenever it is. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 